Hello, dear listeners. This is a nice episode where we go over the uh, state of spring survey. A lot of good stuff on the topic of spring, but just software development in general. Now, this was broadcast live on Tanzu TV, uh, which you can find everything you want to know about that if you go to tanzu.tv. And this is part of my uh, Tanzu Talk series uh, that I do there, also a podcast. Now, I'll tell you a secret. If you go to kote.io slash Tanzu Talk, you can see my special made page about it. But what I wanted to tell you about is that I do this show every week daily. It's usually me talking, but I do have interviews like this uh, spread throughout it, and I'll be putting several of those interviews in here. That's, I think, going to be the primary channel that I use is the interviews I do for the uh, the streaming and the videos I'll put up there. Now, you don't have to watch it live on Twitch. If you wanted to, you could go to twitch.com slash VMwareTanzu. But I also upload them to the VMwareTanzu YouTube channel and, uh, again, put them at tanzu.tv and also kote.io slash tanzu talk. Uh, but really, you know, I would appreciate if you uh, check out those videos and you do get to see a lot more visual things, you know, charts. And I don't think I'll ever have demos, but the people talking. But, hey, also you can just listen to the podcast, whatever you like. So uh, enjoy. This is a fun one. And it's always nice to have uh, my co-host Rita on instead of me just talking to myself. And also in this episode, I remember that uh, I had forgotten to take myself off of mute a few times. So listen, it's going to be a little weird, but I have just totally cut out the parts where I'm not talking, and you can infer the questions that I had for people. Uh, it'll be a fun game that you can play, but uh, sorry about that. I've since learned my lesson. Enjoy. You know, it's like I was saying, when you stream these things, I like have no idea when they start. I've done these a few times, and there's always a few seconds uh, where, where, where they're before they record, but I think I've talked long enough about <clears throat> stupid stuff that it's probably started streaming. You see, that's the magic right there. I mean, you, don't, you don't have an earpiece with someone saying, okay, Kote, Q. No, I should get one of those. That would be good. I, instead, I have these gigantic earphones, uh, but they're very comfortable. They're like, they're like my safety blanket that I have big earphones. It makes me feel very good. Well, uh, Rita, it's a Rita episode. I think that's what we'll call them. Yeah. <laughs> and what, hey, two, two guests, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. So uh, my name's John, John Allwright. I'm over here in Seattle, despite the accent. And uh, I work in developer marketing and focus on spring. Um, and I've been around the developer beat for a while. So I used to work at Microsoft on .NET and uh, have nowhere. Lots of bodies are buried there as well. Um, Whoa. Are there a lot of yeah. bodies? There are a lot of bodies, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot, a lot of happy and less happy developers. But that's that's the nature of the the beat. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. Love working with developers. Uh, such a creative audience. It's really yeah. fun. How about yourself, other person? I, yeah. Hi, uh, I'm Ben. Ben Wilcock. I am a technical marketer for VMware, and I work alongside John in the realm of Spring. I don't know where any be bodies are buried, though. <laughs> <laughs> How about bones? Even dog? No. Kote, I'm finding myself really distracted by by your T-shirt because I really want to know what it is. Oh well, okay. Look, since we're is on video, ketchup? is that I can, ketchup? This is, this is one of my it favorite T-shirts right. because it sums up a lot of my life. See, it's it's it this hot okay. dog walking through the desert, and it says nothing matters. Okay. Are you, is it pretty, are you still is allowed it, is to that, wear that? Is that is that not like some eggplant emoji thing going on there? Maybe. Oh yeah. You don't realize, but it's all been you know banned. 
It it could be. I'm, I haven't actually thought. That's a good. That's a good point. Now that I look at it, it's pretty old. It's got little pills on it. I've I've worn it for a while, but it also like it's not quite on that line. But the other line, I forget if there's a name for it. But I also love those pictures that are um, things that are carving themselves up for you to eat. Like pigs are <laughs> yes. pigs are very popular yeah. with this, where there'll be like a pig who's like a butcher and he's like serving oh. you pig, right? Or chicken oh. sometimes. And like, I mean, this is a hot dog that's squirting ketchup in its mouth, which is equally great. But it's very close to that thing of like, you know, <laughs> like, it, like they're, they're also, you know, I'm sure uh, y'all obviously having something to do with Europe, you know, forgiving your, your locale. You've seen that big and maybe off in California, but you've seen that big uh, statue of a hot dog that looks crazy. And he's got like a big uh, ketchup thing squirting it on himself or herself. But that's, you know, there's similar things like that's that's a good example of the kind of like food preparing itself to be eaten, which which I think is highly entertaining. I don't know. Maybe that's an American thing. It's really the ice cream cones that you see all over Europe, just everywhere. There's ice cream cones on the street. Enormous plastic ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you have the vans, Kota? You're in Amsterdam, aren't you? Do you have the ice cream van where where a van will drive around? And... Now, if you would have asked me that like two weeks ago, I would have said no. But I actually passed by one recently. This is like three weeks, whatever, a month ago. Uh, I was in a neighborhood and I heard this sound and there was this van driving really slowly. And it took me a long time to realize what it was. But yeah, it was an ice cream truck. It was crazy. I've never seen that in, in Amsterdam. And yet there yeah, it the was. Kids, the kids are more into the, the raw herring in Amsterdam. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's, <laughs> they, they get out of school. They uh, they go listen to that, you know, uh, what is it? I'm going to take myself to the Cowtown Road or something. And then <laughs> uh, they slam down some herring. They, yeah. Yeah. I haven't had herring in a while. It's pretty good, though. When, it's my, like, uh, I when, it. my, when my son was little, I told him... <laughs> I told him that when they when they played the music, that meant they'd run out of ice cream. <laughs> oh wow! Don't oh. <laughs> uh, forgive me. That is no. a uh, that's a good dad move right there. Always coming up with like uh, uh, let's call them untruths to to avoid hassle. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm not proud. Of, I'm not proud. Yeah, especially carrying loads of change. Yeah. I like if you had a detailed analysis of that, you would think, but why? Like that would be uh, <laughs> like, like it's like it's like the wailing of the ice cream truck when it's run out of ice cream. <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, uh, uh, we Rita and I have been planning this for a while and and uh, and uh, it's been I forget how long the spring survey has been out. You'll have to tell us. But uh, y'all two did a fair amount of work on the uh the state of spring 2020 survey, which I think has all sorts of fun findings. So I thought it would be nice to uh, have you all on to talk about it, to uh, to go over it. And with that wonderful introduction of myself, I mean, not myself, of, of the survey. So what is this uh, state of spring survey? What's the, uh, what would you, like, what, what's the premise of it, uh, John? So um, again, I, I won't go back to the bodies, but you know, Microsoft back in the day had this thing called the developer tracker. And it's, it's when you're in marketing, everyone thinks, okay, you, you judge how well you're doing by how much you sell. And mm. that's fine. But when you're working with an open source technology or a developer technology where it's all about adoption, you know, that you, you need some other way to really figure out how, how you're doing. 
and you know how 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 well your um you know your message is getting across what people think about your product and and how and how they're using it um and so when i when i joined the spring team earlier in the year i, I, I was thinking okay where are we bunch of questions about developers like what are they doing with with spring uh what do they like what do they dislike um what do they think about it you know this kind of emotional thing and and so i thought let's let's have a, a, a let's have a survey let's do some proper market research so rather than you know me spin up a survey monkey throw it out and 50 people answer it and everyone go well that's not really statistically valid let's do something kind of a, a bit more scientific who are actually in the trenches using Spring. So they're either developers, architects, or they're managers running teams that are using Spring. Um, so that's the setup. And then uh, for Spring 1, we actually kind of wrote it up and released the State of Spring report, which everyone can go download on the, the Tanzu blog today. Mm. And I'll say, you know, as somebody who has to read a lot of research, as you know, um, from, from my role, uh, I really appreciated it because I think it's useful for, you know, when we think about the roadmap, right, what we, where we want to take this, um, this technology, where we want to take Spring or the platform. So super useful. And I was, I was really glad to see it. <laughs> yeah. And it, it actually, so this isn't the first state of that VMware has produced. Um, Heptio, before it was acquired by VMware, started off the state of Kubernetes. So if you're interested in a kind of similar take, but with that, that technology, um, you can go look that up. That's been running for two years. And our intent with the state of spring is that we, we release this every year. So it's not, this is a good baseline to start with, but it's also good because it lets us kind of track, you know, where things are going, um, where usage is going, what, how people's tastes and opinions are changing as well. So when, when, when I look through uh, the final presentation of these surveys, I always wonder like uh, how, how many, how many questions did y'all cut out? Were, were there like, do you have all of the questions listed here or did you, are there some questions that you asked and you were like, you know, maybe it wasn't a good idea to ask them like the last time they cut their dog's toenails. So we might want to cut that one out. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Cut straight to where the bodies are buried, I guess. Um, nobody's buried here, but yeah, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't everything. If anyone that completed the survey knows we asked a bunch more stuff and uh, you know, if there's a TLDR piece, if we, Sometimes when I read through the whole report internally, I see people kind of glazing over because, you know, some of the some of the answers are kind of, well, yeah, duh, that's what we expected. And, and other answers, we look at it and go, well, we probably didn't ask the question in quite the right way. The results came back and um, we're not sure that there, there is an insight to be gained from that. Mm. So and there, there are a couple of questions as well that were really um, questions that are interesting internally but not, not not generally. So we did cut a few things out. Yeah. Uh, no, that 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 makes sense. You know, when I when I've worked on surveys before, there's I'll, I'll, most of the stuff that I would have cut out is just boring or or yeah. sort of repetitive, right? There's just like not really uh I don't know. There's there's, you know, you ask people what they think about cheese and most people agree on it. So it doesn't really have that much of an answer and uh it's it's good to cut those things out. So uh now Ben, before this role you you were actually a spring developer. I don't know what that makes you now if you still are. But you know, so so if if you were to put on your uh, spring developer hat, when you when let's you know, let's get to the content. When you're looking through the answers here, like like from a developer, like what's what's stuff that what are you looking for when you look at surveys like as a developer? 
I'm really interested in trends, I guess, mm. um, because you know part of part of any developer's job is trying to identify where things are going. So you're, you're constantly looking out for new trends where where adoption is growing in particular areas. Things like um, Reactive is a really good example of that because it's been around for a few years. We now have it peppered throughout the uh, Spring uh, framework and, and Spring Boot has lots of starters that include things that will work very nicely with reactive like uh, spring data for example so mm. um it's seeing the results from that and then being able to think about okay how you know should i be considering adopting those things too so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a technology radar really it's sort of telling you what's on the horizon and what's uh, what's incoming but also it gives you a nice warm fuzzy feeling that the <laughs> stuff that you're working on is similar to what other people are also working on then, yeah, you know, you're not alone. No one wants to be alone at, at the real raw kind of bleeding edge of this stuff. You want to be with a community and have a community going in the same right, way. right. You you have you have sort of a uh, soft confirmation of normalness, which which uh, you know, pe- people people are always telling me there is no normal or average when I come to them with my problems, which which is. I feel like then I need some mathematical definition of like, all right, let's say you were to plot on a chart everything. Where are the clusters? I want to know if I'm that. Uh, but whatever. But I, I think, I, yeah, as, as far as like trends, let's say, it kind of lets you know mm-hmm. where you are. And that's mm-hmm. a, I guess that is an interesting thing. I, I haven't thought about as far as, it's been a long time since I was a developer, but you can use it as like a discovery mechanism for like what, what are directions and other things that uh, people are using. Hmm. Yeah, and I and I wonder, Cote. Uh, I was, you know, and to anybody here, you know, when you're seeing what your peers or other folks that are working with this technology that they're doing, if they're doing something you might have been reluctant to check out or were kind of curious about, does it empower you? Does you, do you feel like, okay, I'm going to try it because there's others who were there. I have this community I can tap into. I can ask them questions. Was there a feeling of that? I mean, do you think there's a feeling of that? I would imagine there there is. Yeah, maybe I, feeling I, like you're more willing to experiment because <laughs> others have been there before. <laughs> I think it also helps you position where you're at, like in in a wave of technology. Are you that early adopter, or are you kind of where where are you comfortable? Maybe you're comfortable in that early majority. So I think this is going to start digging into the results. But reactive is one of those areas. I think there's a general perception that you know reactive is still very early. Who's touching it? And yeah, it looks a third of the people we talked to are actually using Reactive already. Look, um, man, Gartner wrote a report about it, so you know that it's for real. <laughs> <laughs> they wrote about it last year, right? For the CTO, was like, hey, get this on your radar. Yeah. So <clears throat> that was really nice to see this uh, further validate uh, that or vice versa. Well, well so, so to your point, let's look at that, uh, that Reactive thing. Well, first of all, I, I, think, I think maybe... Three years ago, I got Josh Long to explain to me what Reactive was, and I sort of remember. But but one of you, some of you will have to clear it up because I feel like Reactive at some point was a UI framework, but then it became a backend data handling something, and I never really disambiguated the two. Or maybe there was another R thing that I confused with it. So what is this? What is this Reactive business? <laughs> I'm, I'm normally not terribly good at 
correctly describing. It would probably be better. But didn't you do a whole blog? Yeah, I blog series on this, didn't you? I think, I think, I think. However, I think, however, compared to me, you will be an expert, no matter what you think of yourself. Um, what what we're trying to do with uh, you know what reactive is trying to do really is is um, give you more efficiency for the compute power that you have now there's mm. a couple of ways of doing that the the kind of incumbent way the existing way was to try and multi-thread to try and use as many threads as you can on your device but that is very difficult to manage in code you know there's really not that many people who understand multi-threading very well. I'm, I'm certainly include myself in that number. It's kind of a nightmare. Um, so if you can uh, come up with new and clever ways where you can get more uh, horsepower out of what you have, then um, generally you can do things like serving more requests. And that's what Reactive does. It uses this a technique called an, an, an event loop, which is kind of at the core of that. And it uses asynchronicity to make sure that you can throw your uh, requests onto this uh, event loop and the event loop will take care of managing what happens to those over time. And then when you have a response, you'll get a callback to say, okay, this, this thread is now ready to do some more work. And ah. that just basically means you can queue up an awful lot more work than you can if you're just using sort of traditional mechanisms. I see. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of remember his explanation now that, you know, you would use this for handling multiple requests, like from a front end or something for like a maybe a data data or process intensive thing. And, and like you're saying, you want to kind of spread it out and queue it. So it's a way of... Hand, handling a lot of requests yeah it's it's basically increasing that request density so you know if a regular server can manage i don't know ten thousand, maybe you'll be able to uh, squeeze out more uh, uh sessions from the same compute power so maybe you'll get ten thousand to fifteen thousand or twenty thousand really um you know you really have to try it to know for sure what you're going to get but the fact that Spring has reactive now throughout the stack means that at no point do you switch to IO blocking operations. You can keep your reactive use all the way down through to the database and back again. Okay. Uh, so, you know, Spring's pretty good at that. It's, it's kind of unique in that, I think, I believe. Um, so it's good to see that that is being rewarded with adoption. Okay. Yeah, so okay. That makes yeah, sense. The, uh, and reactive isn't something that that Pivotal or VMware now and Spring uh, invented. There is a reactive foundation, uh, part of the Linux foundation, that's kind of governing this and putting out specifications, and we, uh, we have some implementations of that. So it's uh, there is a general industry movement, you know, around reactive. Uh, new things like the R2DBC, so it's uh, like a, a database interface that talks reactive rather than the regular, more kind of procedural code. Um, so that's you know it's not just us. There's a, a lot of folks. Alibaba. I'm just looking through the list. So so uh, uh, I want to try something here. Do we do we have some visual to show about what the reactive set the survey says about reactive? I've never done this before, so we're gonna see. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pin your video. I think you can share you? right. Yeah, that's you. I'm gonna pin your All video, right. John, and then. Well, and then I think I can transition to another scene. I don't know what I'm doing, but we're going to find out. You want me to share? 
Yeah. This is this is live, people. This How's that? Live. So, um, I go back to your early question about what we left out. I mean, the one of the one of the things we did actually was to take different questions, and when you when you see the results, you start to put them together and go. Well, actually, these two things together, there's a kind of theme here, some interesting points. So what you're seeing on this slide are two really points around, you know, technology adoption um, and, and new technology. So on the left hand side is, is the reactive point you see in the middle there, 33 percent. So we asked what uh, development styles Spring Boot and, and when we say Spring Boot, we mean Spring everything. So what development styles Spring Boot developers are using? Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't, they don't necessarily have to be using it with Spring Boot. It's just what, what development styles are, are, uh, are being used. And so, as, as you can see, I don't know if this is a surprise, Kote. You've been on the microservices beat for a while. 83% said they're using microservices. You know, and this is one of the things that we think Spring Boot made much easier. So it's great to kind of see that come back and everyone say, yeah, we're, we've got microservices kind of done, nailed pretty much. Um, and, and we'd like to take some credit with Spring as to help make that easier. Um, and so projecting forward, though, we, there are, there are a new development styles um, kind of coming up. Reactive and serverless are two of those. So what we're trying to... Excuse me, I just had... <laughs> VMware is trying to take over my laptop and, join, and domain join it at this very moment. It's kind of inconvenient. <laughs> um, yeah, so we have these upcoming... Um, development styles and it's interesting to see kind of how familiar they are to a spring boot audience you know looking forward uh what we can do we've got have things like um like spring cloud function in the serverless space so what spring can do to actually make uh create an environment where where developers can use those and one of the things we try to do with spring is is to to bring the bring new technologies to the spring developer rather than make them have to go somewhere else, learn a new language. You know, they can stay productive. Um, and uh, as they do that, the platform just brings in the new styles like reactive serverless um, and lets them take advantage of that. So on the right hand side, um, it's in a similar way. Spring cloud is, is bringing kind of new capabilities and, and new technologies to, to the spring develop, spring boot developer. Um, so Spring Cloud Services has been around for quite a long time. It was originally the, the Netflix services they built to make their platform viable when those services didn't exist. Um, you know, they were pioneering microservices way, way earlier than, than a lot of folks. Um, but now microservices are very mainstream. Um, and so then they're now they actually depend on the services we've built into Spring Cloud um, rather than them kind of creating the services and us just kind of repackaging them. Uh, but but kind of new in the portfolio, we have Spring Cloud Gateway, which uh, leads everyone into that world of uh, API, internal API economies and, um, you know, uh, centralizing one point that a lot of uh, a lot of API traffic runs through. Um, but we have some kind of cool tricks, which we could talk about now or in a later um, session that that are kind of make it more developer centric than mm -hmm. uh, your typical API gateway. And then Spring Cloud. Yeah, because everything is code centric, right? They can do everything from right. from the code. Right. Yeah. The developer doesn't have to get, raise a ticket with the API yep. gateway team to, to register their their service. They just yeah. create, they, they just create a little code asset, send it off to the gateway, and they're self registered. So yeah, there's a lot of talk about like how something like this, a code centric approach to this kind of stuff, is uh, to, to for example 
creating APIs and building APIs or API management. And you said API Academy, uh, sorry, economy, uh, is that it, it mitigates the need for these big honking, you know, integration platforms. I mean, I spent years covering that space. So I have a soft spot for, for an iPad. I love me little iPads, <laughs> um, or before that. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, the code-centric approach has been has been quite popular with API Gateway and, and Spring Cloud Dataflow. Yeah, and a, a good segue. And, and then, yeah, the next one is Spring Cloud Dataflow, which is a, you know, a, a super powerful tool for building both batch and streaming apps. And, you know, so what the survey told us is that um, you know, Spring Cloud Services has been available for a while, pretty good use. Um, and, you know, most of the folks we talk to are interested in it. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're thinking about gateway and data flow and you go, well, I'm not sure who's using that, then you can, you can refer to the survey yeah. and, you know, see that there is a hardcore people that have really adopted those technologies. Um, but also interesting to us is that there is a lot of interest. There's an appetite to hear more about it. And yep. so, so it's on Ben and I to really produce, you know, interesting demos and uh, starters and, and reference architectures and things that will help them on that journey. And, uh, feed the interest that's already there. You know, I was going to say something you said sparked my, 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 I have a question here I wanted to ask is as a developer, right? As a spring developer, how can I use this, this survey data? What's the value of it for me? I'm just, when I think about other audiences and they're saying, and then, then let's take it. Like what about app dev managers and app dev leaders? What would, what should they be taking from this report? And then maybe we, we think yeah. about product development folks. You guys want to so, crack at that? I mean, one one of the things that we wanted to take the temperature of was uh, was you know, just generally with Spring. Where is it going? Um, you know, everyone's very familiar with Java. It's been around for going on what twenty years, um, and so there are a lot of assumptions about a technology that's been around that while, uh, sorry, that long. Um, um, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna flip. Come on. Yeah, so we so we wanted to kind of take the temperature of where does it sit within your constellation of Another. options, both as it's a developer. Java. I'm busting out Duke, just saying, <laughs> little distraction. Okay, go. You know, where, where does it sit? Uh, are folks, is it something that's kind of there, but there are a lot of other options? Um, or is it really the, the number one thing? And what we heard in some of the early interviews was, well, it's kind of the corporate standard. Um, it's what everybody uses. Um, and, and that's great because when we onboard a new developer, uh, they, they instantly have um, uh, like a lot of processes and tools to plug into and, we, and they can get productive very, very quickly uh, with Spring. So yeah, having it as that kind of primary development platform is really important. Um, and I think, well, that's great, but maybe that's just a sign of just the amount of time since that investment decision you know, the, an organization makes a strategic decision to, to build on a platform. And once they do that for a few years, it kind of sticks. But that, it may be that everybody dislikes the platform and it's just there and they're just stuck with it as the incumbent. <laughs> so, um, but what you'd expect if that was the case, then everybody would be running away from the platform. Uh, and, and every time a new app comes up, they go, oh, let's, let's put that on, I don't know, Python or, or something else. And so kind of building off that first stat of, you know, over half the people uh, we surveyed have it as their primary, um, their primary development platform. Um, these numbers just blew me away. 
So 75%, like three quarters of the folks we talked to expect their usage of spring to grow over the next two years. Um, and of, of those folks that said it was going to grow, 82% said that growth was going to come from new apps. So this is, this is not the sign of a, of a platform that's kind of stagnant and everyone's running away from. Um, and there's other data that, that talks about how folks really actually like working this spring. Um, but it's, it's thriving, really. Yeah, that, that, that's 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 interesting. I was I was uh, I hadn't thought of that use for that right to confirm that uh, people actually like it <laughs> that that they're 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 not like running away from it. But that's that's a that's a good point to be made with that that information. I mean, I was just more looking at it from the uh, looking at this question from the um, I don't know the momentum angle of like you know what's the planning for it and therefore like people thinking about if it's going to be used but you're right like if if they're uh planning to use it for new projects then that makes sense there's there's some affinity towards it yeah and and i don't i don't know if it came through yeah it's it's in the text um also they're migrating 56 percent said they were migrating apps to spring so you you don't you, typically you wouldn't migrate a, an app to a platform that you were trying to move away from right right um, so this was really helpful in, in just and, and to go back to our early point about kind of what, what are other people doing some of that security? Um, you know, you may feel in your organization that spring is great and we're doing a wonderful, you know, it's, it's amazing, but are we headed in the wrong direction? Is the rest of the industry using something else? Uh, how do we, where's the reference point? And so in the report, we just wanted to kind of provide um, some data and, you know, I'll be honest, when we put the report out there, we didn't know this data was going to come back like this. So uh pleasantly surprised and and so i mean since it's up i think i think the other on the uh the right side there like that's the, it's essentially going over what people use uh spring boot for which i think i think uh as most people have pointed out it's kind of a unexpected sort of finding that there's a lot of api usage um i mean it's would you say head and shoulders it's it's above the other the other usage right so it's like just over 75% or 76% uh, of people say they use it for uh, internal and external APIs. Now, I guess, I guess you could pick multiple ones. This wasn't just your, uh, your top pick. You, could pick. you could pick multiple. And you could pick at this and say, well, actually, when I'm building a website, I'm doing that and I'm building the back end as an API. Mm -hmm. but, so it's a, it's a little peek into the insight that, uh, it, sorry, uh, a peek into the internal way that developers are thinking about what they're building. Mm. Um, it's like an API first mentality. That would start, that would match up with the uh, the microservices finding, right? That people are doing a, uh, right. a lot of microservices now. Now, Ben, you were, you've been involved in some modernization projects here and there over, over the years. Is is uh, like do do a lot of the older ways of doing things? Do they use a lot of APIs like this? Like, are there microservices or things that feel like microservices in use, or is that like a new phenomena amongst the the corporate estates that you've you've seen over the last few years? Well, I, I would say that you know one of the beauties of Spring is that it has an enormous legacy. You know, there's there's all sorts of applications being created over the last sixteen plus years all relying on Spring for their internal structure. And 
that popularity hasn't gone away. Those applications haven't gone away, but the way that we build them is changing. Um, what, what you can see from this survey is that folks are modernizing some things, other things they might be planning to retire at some point in the future, but haven't done so yet. And so we need to um, be respectful of thing that the um, that we saw recently in uh, Jürgen's keynote, for example, at Spring One, was that you know we do have a very broad church of users for Spring. We have plenty who are doing APIs and microservices, but we also have some who are doing SOAP still. Maybe they're using SOAP-based uh, web services. Uh, we have folks who are just doing regular web apps as well, and you can you know you, you can see that there in the survey at thirty nine percent. So we are always very cognizant of the fact that we need to bring those folks along with us on a journey. So when we innovate, we also need to have a very clear structured plan about how those folks can come along on the journey or where they need to plan to um, you know, re release themselves from that journey. So um, we're, I think we're really good at that. And uh, I think we rarely break stuff, which is very nice. <laughs> <laughs> if, you were a, you know, if you're an architect or a development manager, the fact that it's very rock solid, that it's trustworthy, that it's been going for a long time, that it has this um, you know, uh, 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 legacy behind it, and this uh, history behind it and that we take folks along gently along along the path that we're going i think people really appreciate that and uh, that you can see that in the number of production apps that we have you know the production side of spring is enormous and that's what i saw working with clients out in the field they had every type of spring every version sometimes uh, some you know some teams are working on very modern stuff other folks were maintaining older stuff, um, but the, the way that they were doing that was was broadly similar, and they really appreciated that. They didn't need multiple skill sets, for example, to be able to both maintain and innovate. Mm. And so, uh, you know, also looking at the demographics, like it, what, I mean, how would you describe the demographics? Like I, the the one, it seems like maybe like. Uh, around 40% or so work at large organizations versus smaller ones. But, but when y'all were thinking about the size of the company, who, how does it kind of break out? I mean, and, and, you know, are, are there some slices of it that you didn't put in the report? Like, you know, big companies act more like this versus small companies act like this. Like, are there any differences in company size? Yeah, I mean, one of the wonderful things you can do with all this quant data in a spreadsheet is do what we call cross tabs. So mm. you can uh, you can mash up or you can take slices. So uh, I mean, one of the one of the ones we we took were um, what do we? Um, sorry, my mind's gone blank. We talked about this already. Um, oh, was it the oh, yeah, age yeah. thing? The age I, I, one that you don't have here is age. Looking at the demographics in that was interesting. I think. Yeah, no, it was it was actually about primary development platform. And, oh yes. Uh, maybe this isn't a surprise, but you know, smaller organizations are more likely <clears throat> to have just one one development platform mm -hmm. so when we talk to smaller organizations using spring boot that's likely it that's likely yeah. all they use huh. and as the organization gets bigger um uh. then you know maybe it's a departmental thing and we see this kote you yeah. must have seen this you know there's some some folks choose net some choose java and so as an organization they have more more choices 
Yeah, I was going to, I saw that in one of the previous slides, right? And I had, I had a scratched a note for myself to ask you all about the concept of, you know, tool sprawl or platform sprawl and the dangers of that if there are. Uh, it's not so much spring focus, but what's, what's our thinking on that? Uh, is that a real problem? Is that something that large organizations need to deal with? Or is it just do the thing that's the best thing to get your job done? So how do we... How do we uh, balance that out? The tools that are for the jobs to be done versus like, you know, uh, um, consolidating onto to one platform. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we, we, we surveyed was a bunch of technologies that are kind of around Spring. And I'm, I'm not sure we, it made it into this, into this report, um, but there is a huge fan base for Python among Spring Boot developers. That doesn't mean that they're, you know, they're becoming, um, not just loyal, but they're, they're, they're moving away from Spring Boot, but it's the right tool for the job. Mm-hmm. And while they're using Spring Boot to actually build corporate applications, you know, for when it comes to data science or, um, or maybe some tactical apps, Python is really productive. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, it's another, it's another tool they have on their belt. Yeah. I mean, so I have a little bit of a controversial question here. Maybe it's not so controversial, but let's talk about support for other languages in Spring. I mean, will, could we ever see a day that's going to be polyglot. I mean, don't get me wrong. Again, I have my little dukes well, right here. I'm not going to go too crazy. I love Java, but... Uh... <laughs> well, to, to a certain extent, you know, we already have parts of Spring that are polyglot. So really good examples would be Spring Cloud Gateway and uh, Spring Cloud Dataflow. So, you know, the idea of, a, of an API gateway is that it doesn't, you know, your APIs are for example, delivered via HTTP, which is, you know, completely agnostic of any one particular development environment. So the things that the Spring Cloud Gateway can do around routing and filtering and, uh, you know, dynamically uh, helping you to provide these APIs, it doesn't really care whether the implementation of those is a Spring implementation or something else. Similarly with uh, with Dataflow, you know, the, the data that's flowing through the application and the microservices that are dealing with the processing of that data, it too does not care so much about how they are implemented. It just cares about what the API is that they offer. So we already have parts that are very cognizant of the fact that it's a very fragmented world. You know, there's an awful lot of stuff going on and it would be churlish of us to uh, to, to be too prescriptive about how these things should be mm. so it's it, so uh just a couple more things and we can wrap up but the, you also asked about uh containerization and uh you know if people are running things on kubernetes or not so what was the what was the state you determined there yeah th- again shocking numbers uh which point <laughs> i think I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm giving away the uh the punchline here but the the state of, uh, of of Kubernetes to coin a phrase again, but just you know just the plans and the the rapid migration there. So we asked about this in two steps. Um, we first asked about you know are you putting your Spring Boot apps into a container, um, and then we asked about plans to put those containers, deploy those containers to Kubernetes, um, and and so uh, the number here is ninety five percent of the folks we surveyed said they either were um, containerizing or they plan to containerize. And I, I can break that down. Uh, yeah, it's in the text again. 65% of Spring Boot apps are already going into containers. 
So there's another 30% that you know are, are on the plan, are on the backlog, and are, are going to be moved into containers. So you know, as a working assumption for the spring team, it's like, yeah, we're the apps are going to be containerized. Mm. Um, that's 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 what we should optimize for. And, and did you that, did you uh, did you also ask around like where else things run? Like, it seems like Tomcat always comes up. Was that, I mean that that must have uh, shown up here and there. Or other things, but what are other methods? Other things people deploy on. I'm going to defer to Ben. Well, yeah, we did see uh, we did see in some instances of that kind of traditional style of usage where you would take an application server, you would package up into a, into a WAR, and then you would deploy that alongside other applications mm. also sitting on the same application server. We did see that. Um, but what's uh, interesting is that that number didn't, you know, it wasn't it wasn't huge. Um, we see a lot of folks using the built-in packaging uh, jar packaging of Spring Boot. So a lot of folks like that because it packages up the Tomcat with the application, so it becomes embedded. So you don't have to then go and find another Tomcat and, and provision infrastructure for that. You already have it, and your application can sit in isolation, which is great for microservices. And then, of course, uh, with, with Kubernetes, it's the containerization of that that really opens up the door to it being deployable anywhere with any cloud provider. You know, all, all of them offer a, a very good um, Kubernetes substrate. So you could you could see uh, how folks were starting to leverage that. And that's what surprised us the most was that the, the amount of folks leveraging Kubernetes was higher than we'd expected. But also it kind of, you know, if you're reading this survey for the first time and you're looking through it, it's also an indication of, you know, are you on the right path? If so many other people are doing this, um, you know, should you be considering it, um, as, as more of a priority perhaps than it currently is because uh, it's clearly moving in that direction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Spring has some great yeah. tools to help you with that. You know, we yeah. can, you can build a container image in a few seconds with uh, the build image um, uh, task that we have inside the Maven and Gradle uh, plugins for building Spring Boot apps. So you can get a container image without even using a Docker file, which I genuinely much prefer if you've ever had to maintain 50 or so docker files you wouldn't really wish that on your worst enemy so, right right uh, so i'm very happy that you know there's an alternate trustworthy mechanism now built into to spring Boot. yeah you know you know what i'm what i've when i was looking over this this part what it made me remember that one of the things i'm interested in i don't know i guess i could be excited about it i mean you know that's not embarrassing, but what I'm sort of excited to see over the next, I don't know, let's say year or so, or, or some short amount of time is, you know, I, I've, I've like kind of gone out to the, and, and uh, kind of picked up all these little threads about like how spring works well with Kubernetes. Like there's all these little hooks and things like you were saying, but I'm still, I'm still really interested in seeing sort of like the, uh, you know, the the comprehensive write-up of how it integrates together like a book sort of form of like you know spring for kubernetes or whatever and i think you know like, like i've talked with a a couple of people in this form as it were about uh 
the programming model for Kubernetes. And I think, you know, it made me realize how much time has been spent in spring to just make it easy to map in that with something as easy as just like, you know, every time you deploy a container in Kubernetes, you need to have a health check to tell you if the thing should be uh, restarted or not. And that's just like, in spring <laughs> as and, and then also handing in the configuration so it seems like there's like this marrying up of like here's what the architecture of a kubernetes application looks like i don't know if you're supposed to say that and the kubernetes people would be all upset that you're being that specific <laughs> about things but that's fine i think i think as they used to say the street finds its own uses for enterprise architectures hey man, no, Prescription is the new black, man. That's right. I'm calling it right now. And so you've got like that architecture, and it would be interesting to see how, like, you know, here is, uh, here's how like a spring thing like maps into that architecture really easily because all the little bits and pieces are there. But I think to your point, that's what makes it, that's what makes using Kubernetes easy if you've already like bundled up your stuff in spring because there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of glue that isn't dry already. I guess you don't want the yeah, glue to be dry, mm -hmm. right? You want it to be flexible but uh well defined yeah, yeah. It, it's both uh kubernetes ready but also kubernetes friendly you know you can you can use as much or as little of it as you like yeah and a, a shout out to our friends in wavefront or tanzu observability as it's known now there's some free starters there that that when you deploy on Kubernetes, really, you know, give you a, um, a lot more insight what your apps are doing, not just Kubernetes, but, but generally. Yeah, yeah. There's, 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 there are more goodies coming out of that, that relationship. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I think we're going to try and figure out, that figure out, share some of the insights we grok from Wavefront uh, with folks. Yeah. Um, so if anybody but has I, any uh, questions there about that, uh, I don't know, figure out. You can find us, any <laughs> four of us on Twitter. And say, hey, I want to know more about this. What can Wavefront tell me or whatever? But actually, as we wrap up, uh, good segue there. I, I uh, set myself up nicely there is, you know, I want to ask John and, and Ben, uh, what questions do you wish you had asked um, that you didn't? And, uh, you know, maybe we'll see next year. Oh, my goodness. Where to start? You know, <laughs> one of the challenges, and if you've ever done a survey, one of the challenges is that there are so, you, you want, once you have an audience um, or, or folks that are willing to, to give you answers, you just want to keep them answering forever. Um, but we've all been on that survey where you get to a certain point and another screen comes up and you go, yeah, I'm kind of done here. <laughs> um, so we were uh, kept very honest, I guess, with our, our research partner in terms of what was realistic? How many questions can you ask? Um, so they're trying to... And, some of this is about, well, when you get the answers back, I wish I'd ask that question in a different way. Um, so trying to get specific, uh, there was stuff around cloud. You know, we had, we did, we, we got one slide on where people are deploying. And it's kind of interesting to see public cloud versus hybrid on-prem. Um, but we didn't ask which clouds they were deploying to. You know, and we have a great relationship with the folks in Azure, with Azure Spring Cloud. Um, and maybe kind of drilling into some of that space would be would have been interesting. Um, drilling more into the the kind of workloads folks are deploying on Spring, uh, figuring out what's what's beneath those APIs. Um, th those would be kind of my my go tos. Ben, how about you? I think there's lots of things I'd like to do. I think John's absolutely right there. The, the, there are some, you know, 
itches that we want to scratch next time around asking some questions differently but also if we can maybe do it for longer and get a wider subsection that would be great um as well because you know we uh we would really benefit i think from from even greater data and uh, probably sort of drilling into spring a little bit you know finding out more about the apis that folks are actually using and how they're using them in combination with each other could yeah. be interesting. But it, it, it's the art of the possible. John's absolutely right. We didn't want to bore people to tears with a super long survey. Yeah. Um, and and we, we got exactly one meg of respondents. <laughs> okay. I mean, for our first time, this is pretty good. So. Yeah, we, we did, I think we did okay. Yeah, I think that's very good. So uh, clearly yeah. we had a buffer overrun. <laughs> I told you when when when, uh, when Diane from Dimensional came back and said we had a thousand twenty four respondents. I'm like that that sounds perfect. <laughs> it's destiny. It's destiny. I think I think we you know we we could have gone either either route because we had a lot of content. Uh, I've seen some competitors in slide mode that look pretty thin. And I'm thinking they don't have much of a choice. So, <laughs> so, so I'm going to go with, you know, we had a choice, but we went with kind of slide mode. And also, you know, these these graphics tie in very nicely with the new Spring website at spring.io. Yeah. Uh, and I, 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 I'll give you the truth, the real story. Ben's being very diplomatic here. And like there was, uh, so the state of Kubernetes, they took five weeks from, having the results to actually publishing the report. Um, and I, and I, and we wanted to publish this before spring one. So I had two weeks. So I basically, I, I got the same folks engaged that did the state of spring, state of Kubernetes and said, let's do that again um, with as much reuse. Let's not try and, you know, reinvent the thing so we can be agile and get this thing cranked out. And, and so the state of Kubernetes chose uh, slide mode. So that's, that's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 Europeans, no. no Europeans were harmed in the making of this. <laughs> I, 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 I still, I still class myself as a European. That's a whole other discussion. <laughs> this is true. Well, we had some good folks like Stefan Nicole in in Belgium, and so he was very involved. You know, um, the whole Spring team was kind of read into this to, to you know to make sure that they. Uh, they concurred with it, and a lot of those folks are. Yeah, congratulations, you guys! On Thanks. The... Bye. Bye now. <laughs>